Tony, how are you? Seb, I am actually very happy. You would be I after am. this afternoon. Well, this afternoon, just a background. We um we fuck off Siri. Um we <laughs> I had purchased a four thousand dollar Pajero and I was like, look, I've purchased this without our resident mechanic uh looking at it, and I don't know how this is actually gonna go. So I took it down to Seb's work. Um Toronto Lake Macquarie Automatics. Lake, yep, Lake yep. Macquarie Automatics. Don't call us, we're too busy. Don't. <laughs> and apparently, it's not a shitbox. No, it's a wonderful little car. Okay, good. You good. know, like for a 23 year old car that's got 300 plus thousand kilometers on it, yep. you really can't complain with the state of the vehicle. Love it. I was very happy and I was very nervous all day thinking, oh, am I going to have to try to sell this and try to, yeah, anyway, but no, nah, happy with that. And um, I think I'm going to do lots of stupid shit to it i think you should yeah i think you should stupid shit speaking of stupid shit we're we're, we're, yeah. we're we're just i don't know how it's happening but we keep getting these interviews lucky lucky and we have the fabulous james wong from car expert um james is a production editor for car expert and we have him on the line tonight to for him to bring a car to the podcast today which is just absolutely wild so yeah. welcome james Hey guys, thanks for having me along. Thank you. So um, as you've probably heard that the premise of the podcast is um, I'll bring a car. Yeah, or I'll bring a car and then the other one has to guess. Yeah. Think fan tales mm-hmm. for cars. Um, it. It's pretty simple. <laughs> we, like to, we like keeping it simple. Uh, keeps it in joy. Like, you know, in, it, it's it joyful for us that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, thank you for coming along, James. No, it's, I'm really, I'm really glad you guys slid into my comments and got my attention because I've been enjoying listening to you guys for a little while now. So slid it's, um, into cool your DMs, love that, love that. <laughs> comments, DMs, whichever one was first, I don't remember. What, whatever, whatever <laughs> happens, happens. Um, well, look, you've bought the card of the podcast today, so whenever you're ready, James, kick off. All right, so I've got a couple of points here. Um, the car that I have is of Japanese origin. That may mm-hmm. have changed since. Um, it was one of the first small SUVs or um, compact 4x4s that sort of came to market and popularised that type of car. Yep. Uh, and it launched, it launched in around 1996, 1997, so mid to late 90s. Yep. Uh, since, since it launched in that first generation, it sold 13.5 million units globally and over 250,000 of those have been sold in Australia. Wow. wow. It's now in its sixth generation. All right. It, off, it offers both turbocharged and hybrid options now. And it's also grown to offer seven seats, depending on the model. Okay. Right. Right. (laughs) I think I might know what it is. I've got got an inclination towards a certain model, but... As soon as you said hybrid and seven seats, the Toyota bell started ringing in my mind. Mm. Could Mm. be wrong. Oh, no, we might be wrong. (laughs) Could be wrong. (laughs) Could be wrong. Righto. What else have we got? I don't really know what else to say. I think it might be worth you throwing a few guesses at me first, and then I can okay. Okay. say yes. I, I'm because, gonna because there's probably a few. I'm I'm gonna lean toward. Oh, okay, we started in 1996, 1997, six generations. Mm-hmm. There's six generations of it. It was a small compact, and now it's a big seven seater. It's come. It comes with a turbo variant and a hybrid variant. Mm-hmm. 
I originally wanted to say a Rav four, yeah, but I'm, I'm 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 pulling that back. And it's close. Yeah. Okay. So is it is it a Toyota? It's not a Toyota. Okay. Hmm. Seven seater. And it's Japanese. Yeah. With a mm-hmm. turbo and a hybrid. Um, what else started around that time period? I'm gonna go with a Honda CRV. Very good. Well done. Oh <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh wow. Good work. Cool. Excellent. Yeah. We were funny you brought this, James, because yeah. um we did our Honda Civic um episode and I mm-hmm. talked a little bit about the CRV. Um yeah. I believe it is the CRV in some of the earlier models that had the um if you opened up the boot of the car, you could pull the boot floor out and the boot floor had legs on it that folded into a table when you went camping. Yes, it had a picnic table in the boot, which is um, quite funny. So the reason why I chose this car is because the first generation CRV was actually my first car. Oh, cool. And oh, I, wow. yeah, I recently did the launch of the new one. So it was sort of, it was good timing that I had to bring something that, you know, you sort of go through the generations of it all and everything. And um, yeah, so the, the first generation my family had for, I want to say 15 years, and wow. it probably took me about 13 of those to realize there was a picnic table in the boot. <laughs> I think um, it's a really cool addition. It's a little one of those little yeah. quirks. I love I love a manufacturer has those little little quirks that kind of set them apart from yeah. the the other vehicles on the market. But uh, yeah, so glad you bought this because I had actually mentioned the the new Honda CRV on an episode. I can't remember which one. We'll probably shit talking a crossover. Yeah. But um I think they are probably one of the best looking four-wheel drives crossovers at the, at the or not a crossover but uh at, at the moment on the market apart from our favorite Mitsubishi Outlander but the the Honda itself that they are stunningly beautiful cars at the moment especially um the ones that have the the wheel arches that are like um embedded within the actual body itself and it's all the one yes. kind of thing and it's yeah, the big horrible wears. Not the horrible black plastic on the morning like that. It all melds into the one, the one seamless thing. Um, they're very reminiscent yeah, yeah. of the new Mazdas as well. I mm-hmm. feel they look very similar yes. to a Mazda. You have to do a double take sometimes. You go, was that a Honda or was that a Mazda? Mm. So yeah, I just they're so well built. Yes, they're so well engineered. You cannot fault Honda no. when it comes to manufacturing, engineering. They're just yeah, they're ten out of ten. Reliable, awesome fantastic things yeah so so you've had you had one james um you, you don't own it anymore I, I know that you've got the um gti golf but do you still have the honda mm-hmm. kicking around in the family no so it was it was my parents car which they gave to me when i got on my i learned in it um was on my p plates on it for a few years and then uh it, we did about a hundred nearly a hundred ninety thousand k's in it the time that we had it um which included some like family road trips to and from queensland and some crazy stuff like that and towards the end of our time with it there was one service i think i had like dropped it off on a friday Mm -hmm. to like my car and had walked over to the maccas that i worked at done my shift and by the time i came back to pick the car up my parents had decided they were going to sell it soon because there was some uh, mechanical things that needed attention i think there were like cracks in the suspension arms and the shockers were sweating and they were quoting 
you know, five to six thousand dollars worth Whoa. of work, which was more than the car was worth at that point. And then, yeah, but that's uh, my car for you as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, no and comment. then the next, the next, the, that weekend. So that that was the Friday. I think Saturday or Sunday. My parents had put a deposit down on a Kia Sportage, and then they oh, right. sold it. They traded it in shortly after. But wow. we loved that car, and it, it did us. It did so good. It had you know three three kids through it that all, you know, took us to school. It taught me how to drive. And, you know, I used to take it out places and road trips with friends and stuff when I was driving it on my piece. So, you know, that first generation is such an iconic car. And um, you still see some kicking around now. Yeah, you do. Definitely. You do. And they're still going and they've got 300,000 kilometres on them. You know, they came out with a really, really well-engineered engine. Um, you know, the the middle um, generations of them with the K24 it's an incredibly talky mm. four-cylinder. Yeah. It moves those cars mm. really quite efficiently. Um, was yours a automatic or a manual, James? Yeah, it was an it was an auto, um, because it was mum's car and it had Lovely. that column column mounted shifter. Yes, as well. the column shifter. Button. Oh, I love yeah. that. That's very reminiscent of like a, a 80s, 90s car, isn't it? The yeah, it's quite cool. I like the fact that you've, you've mentioned as well that you went on multiple road trips with it and and it's passed through the family for everyone to learn in it. So that that kind of talks testament to A, the Honda, but also uh, I, I kind of like to look at cars as not an accessory and not a uh, appliance and more of a, a part of the family. Yes. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and that's that from what you're saying and describing there, that that definitely sounds like a car that was well-loved and whoever picked it up is very lucky to have it. But the, the so you, you, went on a couple of road trips to Queensland you're in Victoria is that right yeah yeah, yeah. Melbourne yeah that would be That's some big kilometers that is a mission <laughs> that is a mission yeah. especially with three you know young kids in the back I think when we were doing those road trips I was probably in mid to late primary school and I had you know a little brother that was about kindergarten age and a sister that was a toddler so my parents really put themselves through some challenges doing those kind of. Oh, trips. I can imagine. <laughs> so, sorry, did you say that you you had it and you didn't discover after how many years that it had the table in the back? Is that right? Yeah, like I, we never used it, and I, I'm sure my parents knew that it was there. But when I used the car, I only think I realized it had it at one point. I never actually used the table myself. And um, once we got rid of it and I met a couple of people on the job and I sort of spoke about my car ownership history and they're like, oh, it had a picnic table, right? And I was like, yeah, not that I ever used it, but, you know, it was there. <laughs> I think it's just one of the, it is, it's one of those gimmicky things that like it was used big time in the um, advertising of the car. Yeah. It, it played yeah. A, like a, a big part in it. Um, and, you know, because it, it kind of leans and speaks of its um, utilitarian sort of nature. Yeah to be this, you know, SUV, it's got the room to put the three kids in it. You can go on your big road trips and yeah. do it comfortably. And it, it talks back to what I was saying in our last episode, which hasn't been released yet, but it, actually next week's episode technically, because this one will be released and the one we were speaking about last week will be released next week. Anyway, um, around <laughs> uh, Asian manufactured vehicles where, you know, Japan, China, et cetera, they have those accessories, they have those quirks that yeah. the typical, um, I guess, Australian car wouldn't have or even you or European, yes, as well, but like the American cars and the Australian cars yes. didn't have those quirks. They were very just stock standard, nothing nothing there. But yeah. um, I love the fact of those, those manufactured vehicles that have all those little quirks and little extra things that you get for your money, which which 
sells a car for me. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that's the same with you, James, as well, around being being what you do for work as well. Um, those little tidbits might push a car over the line or it might get you to purchase it over a different vehicle of a similar nature or something like that. So um yeah, it's those little things that I I really enjoy about a car. Yeah, cool. I, I like for for me, you know, as as journalists, and I'm sure um Callum said the same thing to you that uh the we go through so many cars that you don't really buy your own ones that often. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So there, there are things that we sort of speak to in our in our work where, you know, for, for my job specifically, I've been very consumer facing for quite a while. And, you know, you sort of try to think of things like, you know, Skodas, for example, have the ice scrapers and the, the parking ticket holders, which is a fun thing to video or, or mention in a review. But how much real world you someone's going to get out of that, I'm not so sure. Zero. Especially the ice scraper in, in the, in the app, we don't really have that. I've, I've got a Skoda. <laughs> has no ice scraper. I was actually very disappointed. It didn't come with an ice scraper. Um, oh, no. It has got the... Uh, and I bought it brand new. I was absolutely ripped off. Um, and then it hasn't also got the uh, umbrella in the door, which is another really annoying thing because that was another thing. And I'm like, oh, man. But it has got the ticket holder. And I reckon I've used it three times in the few years that I've owned it because all the parking things these days are all... Auto, digital, digital. Yeah. So there's yeah, no need for a parking right. ticket. So, it's but I suppose th- that that's perfect. That's a perfect play on Skoda's behalf because they are very, very easy things to manufacture and include in the sale of a car. Yes, doesn't cost them really much to do it. If anything, no. Yeah, but is it a draw? Yes, hundred percent. And that's that's what I was kind of mentioning before that it's those little draws that that pull you in. And um, with your golf, James, as well. Does, I'm sure it would, but does it have any of those little quirky tidbits that that other, for example, a Ford Focus wouldn't have, like in in its comparison? Um, I think when I when I was looking at my Golf, and the, the Golf was actually one of the first cars I drove on the job because at my first job at Car Advice, they owned a a, a Mark Seven GTI, and I ended Ooh. up buying a Mark Seven Point Five, and cool. I just remember it was a, it was my yeah it, it was it was my first real experience with a European car. Um, once I'd gotten my license that I was actually driving it. I just remember sitting it for the first time and thinking, you know, the seat hugs me really nicely and yeah. the interior is all laid out in a way that's quite ergonomic, but also it, it looks nice. It feels well built. The Everything was just really clean. And I loved, I loved specifically the GTI because I looked at buying an R and a few different cars as well when I actually put my money down on it. But the fact that it has so much heritage in that yes. nameplate but has evolved with the times, I'm sort of like one of those suckers for a bit of like <laughs> a retro throwback but with a modern twist. And that's what I love about the Golf GTI as a brand. Yeah. And when I got when I got mine, I made sure that I got one with the cloth seats with the tartan because I thought that how cool is that? There aren't really many cars at this no, the market no, besides like beautiful. Uh, yeah that offer those kind of, you know, pattern seats and things like that. So it's stuff like that, nothing like quirky or, you know, like a, a ticket holder or anything like that. But the, you know, the golf, the golf concept has sort of been the same for so long. You've got, you know, a nice compact body, a big boot, a big back seat, um, you know, premium features that in the seventh generation car, you basically had all Audi stuff in it. 
um, yes. for a much more affordable price. Plus the fact that it's like, you know, got that fun front wheel drive, hot hatch balance. And, but it also, even though it's affordable and attainable and like a compact hatchback, it doesn't look out of place in like a rich suburb as well as, you know, your local shops or whatever. It's a very classy or yeah. timeless car that sort of looks good everywhere. And, and that's, that's sort of how I see myself as a car. <laughs> okay. Timeless yeah, I like that. I, there was a couple of things that you mentioned there. And I wish I was writing them down because there's so many things that you just said and then Seb and I are like, yes, yes, mm-hmm. fuck yes. That's that's exactly it. Like, firstly, timeless. Um, I think the whole idea of this podcast was kind of built off that to go, is our modern cars these days going to be timeless in yeah. 20 or 30, 40 years' time? What's going to hold its value? Exactly What's right. What's holding its weight? Yeah. Yeah. It's value in society as well. Like, yeah. is it going to be like, oh, I remember driving one of those as a teenager. The Golf is definitely Absolutely. one of those vehicles. Yeah. Um, yes, any, yes, any, yes. any version of the Golf, I feel, like regardless of what version it is, obviously the GTI, yes. Um, another thing you said as well, James, that you like a uh, a retro modern vehicle. I, mm. I, I couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. That that is is the main thing that I look for in a vehicle is the retroness, which ties into that timeliness as well. A vehicle that I've I want to bring to the podcast, and I think we'll have to do it, is the brand new Nissan Z. That is a mm-hmm. timeless slash retro vehicle. And yep. I just, I as soon as I see it, like I see, I've seen so many floating around Newcastle and I just, I just stare at it. Oh, yeah. It, they are beautiful looking things. Um, yeah, with great. The tied in. But then also the Icon, no, Ionic 5. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Ionic 5. Mm-hmm. Incredible with all the like the uh pixelated the dash, oh, the dash, the dash, the dash, the dash, the pixelated um rear lights and the front lights. It's just they don't make cars like they used to back in the 70s and 80s. Um, and and yeah, but thank god for that, also <laughs> as a mechanic, thank god for that because <laughs> we have at, at, at the moment we have a, a huge. Beautiful. Lincoln Continental on the hoist at the moment. Mm-hmm. It's got the gearbox out of it getting a rebuild, but like I, I'm looking over this car from the very late 70s and I, I, I'm thinking, what the fuck? <laughs> like, frankly, <laughs> whose idea was this? Yeah. This is terrible. Yeah, it's You've got four foot of overhang behind the rear axle. You've got three foot of overhang before the, like in front of the front wheels. This thing would handle like a yacht. Yeah. Yeah. Why? <laughs> it maybe makes 150 <laughs> horsepower. It looks cool. It looks cool. That's but I why. think I'd be seasick in it. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention that it's also an American-built car from the late 80s. Sorry, the, the late 70s. So build quality is not a thing yeah true there's bits falling yeah. off it there's rust everywhere the chrome's peeled it's but it's, it's very sad. pretty to look at yeah like you so that's where i'm very happy that manufacturers these days are having that retro inspired design yeah you know like you said with the gti golf i i couldn't agree more i think that the tartan seats and all of that yes. the heritage of the golf holds itself is is enough exactly. for me mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like not many manufacturers are really going out and nailing that design, um, that retro sort yeah. of thing. I think Ford did an okay job with the new Bronco. Um, yeah, I'm not look, I, I love a Suzuki, I don't like the new mm-hmm. Jimmy's, and I own a first gen Jimny, I don't like okay. the new ones. 
Yeah, right. What, what don't you like about the new one? Because um, that's I just really think interesting. That I haven't really heard. I don't think they've given enough for what they charge for the car. Mm, right. I just don't think there is, for the consumer, I don't think there's enough there. You get a 1.5, which is frankly underpowered for the weight of the car. Mm. The mm. safety rating, granted, it's Re-point. a little four-wheel drive. Yeah, it's not going to be great ever. Regardless, you you know, you would expect to be at least five-star minimum when it's when you're paying 50 grand or more. For a brand new car, that's kind of scary. Yes. Um, yeah. And the fact that, it only, does it still only come out in a manual? No, no they, have have a, they have a four-speed auto as well. Yeah, yeah. See, that that's that's the bit that scares me though. It's the four-speed auto in 2023. That's that's behind the times. That's very behind the times. I don't mind the new versions that they're bringing out, like the retro Jimmys, where it's got the Jimmys, the decal up the, the side, and it's four doors. Yes, yeah. So they're a bit bigger, but I I agree. I, 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 I think if they were a thirty six a thirty six thousand dollar car oh. every day of the week, what a magnificent car! Yeah, yeah. Especially when you well, get they were when they came out. <laughs> they were when they came out. They were, and then everyone yes. jumped on them, and the demand <laughs> went through the roof. Yeah, that's, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. So your car history, James. So you've had the Honda and the Golf only, or have you had other vehicles in there as well? Uh, well, I I drove the Sportage, my parents' Sportage, for a period of time when uh, before I got the Golf. So basically, I I had my parents' CRV, which then became the Sportage for a little bit. And then when mm-hmm. I started as a as a journalist and um, <laughs> bringing cars home for work, my parents were like, "Oh, great, you don't have to buy a car now," because um, I you know my parents were trying to always discourage me from spending money. So I ended up just relying on press cars for ages. And then when I when I left Car Advice and did a, a short stint with uh, Ford Australia's communications team, oh, wow. I needed to buy a car. And I was tem- very tempted by a at the time they had the um, the last of the the last of the Ford Focuses, but the normal ones, they had one of those ST line wagons. And you'll probably, if you've seen, if you remember when the, the most recent generation came out, the, the hero color was that um, Desert Island Blue. Yes. yes, yes. And and yeah, so there was on the press fleet, there was a, an ST line wagon, which was, I in, in my mind, it was more prestigious than the hatch because it got an independent rear suspension instead of the torsion being that the hatch got. Oh, wow. But then okay. also they... It, it had a, it had all the options on it. So the tech pack had like fully adaptive LED headlights with scrolling indicators and things like that. It got nicer wheels. It got, uh, I think it got a head up display or a couple of other things in it. And they had this one, yeah, they had that exact spec on the press fleet that was going off fleet when I, when I started at Ford, but the guy that I was trying to get the help me buy the car, he took, he took too long to get me the price. Oh no. um, by the time he got me the price, which was something ridiculous, like low 20s drive away, because they were basically giving them away at that point, I'd already put a deposit down on the Golf. Oh, that's a so, shame. I, yeah, because that would have been a great car. I just showed Seb a photo of it, not, not not yours, but just Googled it. I didn't know they existed, to be honest. I love a wagon. Yeah, I, I love that. That is a very, very good looking car. Yeah. Not that the Golf isn't, James. Yeah. But um, <laughs> that is. But the the focus stunning. drove drive the focus that generation drive, focus drives like a dream, and I've been very fortunate that my brother, once he got his license, bought a normal focus hatch from that same generation. I've oh, had excellent. the the pleasure of driving it a couple of times. It's such a great car, and it was so criminally 
underrated and underappreciated by the Australian public. It was, oh, I agree. You know, German oh, bill. I agree. Like, fan, it was it was like the, you know, Ford's proper golf competitor because it was built in Cologne. It was designed and engineered yeah, German in Germany car. as well. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a fantastic, fantastic car, and that one point five liter um, three cylinder engine has so much grunt for such a small engine, and that yes. three cylinder thrum. Yeah. Um, it's it's quite it's quite funny actually. I don't know whether you guys will find this fun as funny as I do, but you know, my my we grew up with only Asian cars. My dad was very um, hell bent on always owning Japanese brands, and then he finally got onto the Kias um, after I think we. My, I'll talk about ownership because I'm just keep on digressing because I, I enjoy this conversation. So my, no, my bad, good. but if my, my, my car history is fairly boring. Um, but my dad, I used to help my dad choose his next car whenever he used to do like his work loans. So we went from like the CRV, we, we had the CRV and at the same time we had, dad had one of those Nissan Pulsar Pluses from the late nineties as well. Cool. It was a 97 model and it was a manual. And then when the when my sister was born and we needed a big car, he started novated leasing larger cars with work. So we had a 2003 Subaru Liberty RX Special Edition sedan. So it was oh. a silver one, like with the bronze wheels. I think that's a third gen. Big yes, big yes, big yes. Wow, that was wow. a great car. We drove that we drove that to and from Queensland once or twice as well. And then we went from that into the first generation Toyota Kluger um, Grande. Nice. It had a, a stone gray interior, leather interior with like that glossy brown wood grain that nowadays yeah, yeah. was horrible. Yeah, but at grain. the time, it sounded really cool. Yeah. It didn't age um, well, did I, it? <laughs> no, no. But it was our first car with a touch screen and it had sat nav built in, which you know, at that time in like 2006, it wasn't very normal for you know mainstream branded cars to have that sort of stuff. No, no, that's a big so, thing. Yeah, and it was our first seven-seater as well because we're, we're, once there were three of us and my parents wanted to take their parents around with us too. Like, you know, how the little kids love to be in the back back, so we'd always be fighting about the third row, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we went from the the Kluger into a Subaru Tribeca. It was like the first of the, the facelifted ones. Yes, yeah. And that was a grey one and I... I forced my parents to special order the light interior. So it was one of the few ones where like the ivory leather seats, which you don't really see them anywhere. No, <laughs> no, I've never seen them. Wow. Yeah. And, and then from when that lease was up, dad decided to start um, buying cars again. So he, which they still have now, actually it was 2012. I remember I was in year 12 it was, and like dad needed to buy a new car and he didn't want to keep the Tribeca because it was too thirsty. And he ended <laughs> yeah, up, I managed it. to, yeah, because he was part of those novated leases, you get the fuel allowance thrown into it. So he was like, I'm paying for fuel now. I don't want to spend too much. And then he, I told him to look at uh, the Kia Sorento and the Hyundai Santa Fe of the time because they were both diesels and they're much more efficient than those, you know, old six-cylinder SUVs. Oh, yeah. So he ended up buying a 2000, I think it was an MY13, but he bought it in 2012. It was that facelifted Sorento of around that time. And they basically... Um, put the new platform underneath a facelift so it was almost a new car even though they called it a facelift and they still actually have that car now oh wow that's what i learned to drive oh sorrento yeah oh really yep yep big diesel love it yep yeah right very very good car i had a before the scooter i had a serato yeah i loved it it was yeah. such a good car. And Korean cars, just man. so good. They just they just absolutely keep going and going and going and going. They oh, yeah. Don't, they don't die. 
Um, which yeah, is- and 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 in the early early 2010s is when they started doing the local suspension tuning as well. So yes. um, the the Sorento that we have was one of the first ones to get a local tune, and like the way that it even rides now is still very very impressive given the car's that old. So yeah. <laughs> that's that's very the impressive that's family car history. It's a, it's a very impressive list. <laughs> yeah. And do you feel that with these um the history that you had there, is that how you I guess had your love for vehicles and, and, and kind of entered the field that you're in? Um it actually started a long time before that. Um the, the what I've been told, and I vaguely remember it, is that when I was about two or three years old, all I wanted to do was play racing games. Yep. And I was one of those kids that had the, I had a Sega Saturn, which oh. probably a lot of people don't really know oh, if yes. they're listening, but it was, a, it was a really cool video game system back, you know, I'm really old now, I'm nearly 30. So yes, I sort same. of feel like a bit of a boomer when I talk about this stuff. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I, I had a Sega Saturn with Daytona USA on it. So yes. I got to play the arcade game at home every day. And so that's basically where my love of cars started. My parents tell me that ever since I was a little kid and I'd sit in the back of the car and I'd be pointing out car brands and telling them what, you know, the number plates were or what the, what type of car it was that's from great. a very, very that's young very age. Cool. It's very similar to, I guess, the stories that you've told me, but also myself oh, as absolutely. well, where yeah. it's just, I don't know what it is. I don't know where my, my, I guess, passion for cars are because none of my family none of my sibling or sibling um none of the yeah no one else was like into cars my my pop um raced motorbikes but um mm-hmm. other than that i never i never had a inkling for vehicles but i very similar james where growing up you could look at a rear of a vehicle at nighttime by just the tail lights and tell exactly what kind of car it was yeah that was a fun game then you yep. just be like oh that's a Mazda 3 yeah. and then it'd come close about that's a Mazda 3 see told myself that it was a <laughs> Yeah. um so yep. yeah I, I i yeah i think that's it i just so you don't feel old don't worry i had a sega mega drive um and would play Jurassic oh, cool. Park on it. it was so great um uh, it was <laughs> the best game ever uh and then also the the oh what was it um it was some sort of like uh um like car where you would you would race around a track and like try to run them off the road i can't remember what it was but it was <laughs> okay. very, it was very like oh uh, yeah it was it was great anyway i digress on the on um, the mega drive yeah on the mega drive great i wish i had that i'd be a bloody millionaire by i now. think i know where one is i also had one but i'm not that old um <laughs> no I, th- I think i know where one is very war oh really yeah. okay we yeah. might have to you have to go for a road trip. Go road trip it. Speaking of road trips, <laughs> actually, so I know I mentioned it before, but I know that you're a charity ambassador for Drive Against Depression too, and you do a lot of road yes. trips. So um, if you want to do, uh, have a bit of a quick little chat around that as well, um, and we yeah. Would, yeah, love to hear more about it. Yeah, so Drive Against Depression is a charity I've been working with for a little while. It was founded by um, Adam Davis, who was who's a journo, who's now a PR. He's worked with a couple of different manufacturers, but... Um, basically he started a few years ago after going through his own mental health struggles. And so basically it was, it started with a drive between mates and they all put in a few dollars together to donate to Beyond Blue. And then it sort of expanded from there. 
and um, what the what the charity aims to do is to help normalize the conversations around mental health, specifically depression and anxiety, because that's obviously where the, the team has more experience with, but, you know, just mental health in general and through a shared love of motoring and driving. And so what we do at the moment is, you know, we do quarterly drive days where we'll start somewhere and end somewhere, typically going the scenic route and ending up at a nice spot for lunch and throughout the day you get to talk to people and sort of fostering a new community of people that like to just come together because um particularly with uh i think with men it's 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 Mm. something that is a bit taboo to talk about especially like you know you think about people that you that you meet in car circles and they're not the kind of blokes that you would typically be like so what's troubling you today um and 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 what what this what the the charity tries to do is you know, just having a day out where you don't, you sort of get to escape it all. And then that safe space in the car that you might have with a friend or a family member where you can just sort of start chatting about what's going on in your world at, at that time. And if, if it means that you start having that conversation or starting that conversation about what's making you feel not okay or, or unhappy and, and trying to, you know, reduce the stigma and the, and the lack of um, conversation around it. So that that's really the, the quick pitch around it. No, that's, that's, that's so, fantastic. Yeah, and I really like the precedent. I think it's a really good way of opening up, you know, dialogue, especially for a more, you know, stigmatised community with mental health where, you know, we don't really speak about much that troubles us. And if you do, you know, that that's that's perceived as weak. It's, yep. yeah, I think it's an awesome way to kind of circumvent that. And, and I like the premise of what you're mentioning there. It kind of just really hit home around having a conversation with a mate in a car, just going for a drive. Like, you know, yeah. we might just be like, oh, you know, just want to go, you want to hang out? Yeah, okay, we'll just go for a drive. And then you just have a chat and then you you end up having a big conversation and, and divulging things that you wouldn't normally just divulge over at the pub, for example, yes. or, or whatnot. Yeah, so, yeah, safe space. and A much healthier environment. Yes, must <laughs> <laughs> yeah very much so but um yeah. that that's awesome and I'm, I'm i'm glad that there's young other young guys out there as well james like yourself um promoting this kind of um this kind of awareness because it is it is desperately needed um in today's age not just for men but for everyone as well so um yeah of course yeah. well look we um we've taken way too much of your time already um and, and <laughs> we I feel like it just kind of started and now it's ending. It's yeah, so quick, but it flew by. It just big thanks coming on, especially the fact that you've you've uh, raced up to Brizzy because you're doing a test tomorrow. So it's uh, sorry, Sydney, not Brisbane. Um, so yeah, <laughs> big, big thanks for for tuning in and having a chat with us. It's much appreciated. Yeah, thank you very much for coming no, thank, on. No, thank you so much for having me. It's um it's been really nice to to meet you guys and to you know tune into your other episodes. You, you guys are doing great stuff, and it's always nice to see new faces in our industry so keep doing what you're doing awesome thank, well, you. thank you well seb benny another one in the bag another good episode I believe that yeah just another another great guy to speak to and and just another great person that is in this industry well i say that we're in the industry in, we are in the industry we are not in the, oh, i'm definitely not you are but yeah um uh don't forget to like subscribe and share gear knobs with your family and friends we've absolutely youtube we've got yeah we've got a vlog out tic tacs get around it the vlog um we've also got merch buy it please, buy buy merch, please. Um, so we don't go hungry yeah um and yeah thanks so much guys for tuning in yeah, hero legends catch ya Tripping up.
don't call us. We're too busy. 